It's a sled. He's dead. The box contains his wife's head. Vedas, his father, they're allergic to water. She's his sister and her daughter. You watched it from Wacky Races. Hi, how you doing? This is Wade. And this is Siggy, and you're listening to You Watched It Wrong, a movie-talking podcast starring the, Wade and Siggy. The movies are talking? That was <laughs> dumb. Why yes, did I say that? actually, they all have been talkies, <laughs> as a matter of fact. For a while, yeah, yeah. And uh, not just any talkies or racies, and not just any kind of racies, wacky ones. We've entered the 1980s in our series. It has happened, <laughs> folks. It's Finally happened. Yes. Last episode. In the 60s. Last episode, you'll all remember fondly how we covered Scavenger Hunt, Good boy. released on December 21st, 1979. And then just two months later, on February 8th, 1980, Walt Disney Pictures, through Buena Vista Distribution, brought <laughs> us all some Midnight Madness. And they were so proud of it that they did not put their name anywhere on the titles of the picture. There's way of Mr. Distribution is in there really small in the closing credits if you're paying attention. But the the name Disney does not appear on here at all. And we might speculate as to why that is in the course of our discussion. (laughs) Now, was this I this had the distinct TV movie feel. Was this not a TV movie? Television? Yes, a made-for-television movie. No, it was definitely not a t- made-for-television movie. It, it, it's a little too smutty, I think, for made-for-TV mm. in 1980, I think. <laughs> just a tad. Just yeah, a I, tad. I have to confess, when we were building this Wacky Race series, and you said, well, we got to do Midnight Madness. And I went, okay, sure. I, I honestly got it confused. I thought this was Monsters and Mazes with Tom Hanks. Oh. And I was like, and I was like, yeah, all right, I, I guess that fits. I, I don't really remember it, so yeah, I'll go with it. And then, so when I was uh, when I was renting it and paying hard-earned American dollars for it, I was like, hey, where's Tom Hanks? I thought uh, I thought he was in this. And then, oh, it was uh, it's this, this is something different. <laughs> no, uh, mazes and monsters will not be in this series because it is mazes not monsters, yes. not a it does not, not qualify does not. Yeah fit the genre um so imagine my elation when i saw this movie (laughs) instead (laughs) so this is the movie that in its way inspired the this miniseries it was my noticing well discovering the existence of the movie scavenger hunt uh and that in the cast list was stephen first and remembering as a fan of midnight madness from my youth that stephen first was also in that i'm like wait a minute he was in two scavenger hunt movies. Is there a whole subgenre of scavenger hunt movies? And it oh. turns out there's not really, but um, but they're, that's, those are kind of race movies. Well, Mad, 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 Mad World is like a scavenger hunt movie with one object, <laughs> right? A big W. Well, it's a goal to get one thing. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go and get the one thing. So, uh, so that kind of led me down the whole path of formulating this thing. Uh, but, you know, this is a movie, Midnight Madness, that I had seen multiple times as a kid, like in high school, like, you know, Michael J. Fox was already a big star. Right. And so like, oh, this, look at, you know, this is like one of my first 
discoveries where I'm like, oh, there's the star before he was a star. I mean, obviously, he's a much younger kid um, and credited as Michael Fox. Right. Michael Fox in the beginning, but in the actual in the end credits, he's Michael J. Fox. Oh, is he? Unless um, they might have redone the credits, but he's Michael Fox in the in the opening credits. Michael J. in the Hmm. he's on the copy I saw. Well, I remember we were a family ties household from the (laughs) very beginning. And I remember my mother explaining to me that uh, he had to be Michael J. Fox because there was another actor in the guild named Michael Fox. Right. And that was like, those were like Hollywood rules. I'm like, oh, oh, tell me more, Mom. So, but apparently I'd only ever seen the second half of this movie because I, I knew the second half very well. I could still sing the theme song to <laughs> this film. But I the first half was completely unfamiliar to me. I always, I had some very wrong misconceptions about uh, how this whole thing kicks off (laughs) some uh, assumptions on my part anyway we haven't discussed this obviously because you thought it was a different movie um (laughs) i feel pretty confident i I can guess your reaction uh to this one (laughs) i bet you can and i'll just say off the top that i still find this a pretty fun kind of cute movie um uh, with some elements of poor taste and humor, particularly one one kind of joke, one comedic target that um, this movie, let's say, overindulges in, has uh, too big an appetite for. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know what you're referring to. When when it can't when the writers couldn't think of uh, what else to do, they're like, oh, how about another fat joke? Can we? Can we come up with another one of those? And it turns out, yes, they could. Uh, and, they and did. You know what? It's weird. It wasn't. It was just. It was just eating joke. Just eating. And it, it just being very vile about how he eats. That's it. And well, I, it's not even a joke. <laughs> well, they because the the Lulu twins um, also. Right. Well, the weird thing is, I really like the Lulu twins. Oh my god! Until no. it, it's like I was actually charmed by them. Well, not the Until giggling. They did something at the end. Which not was the like giggling. The, the giggling was right. that was the hardest. Actually, the hardest part of the movie for me to handle was them, their uh, overdubbed, <laughs> sped up giggling. Well, let's go through the numbers. Let's go to the numbers. Let's go to the numbers. Let's, we we have a we have a structure for these things. Boy, it has yeah. been a while. Okay, it has, so has. we talked about the release date, budget, four point five million dollars. Really, Disney. Puts up four point five million in nineteen eighty dollars, in twenty twenty dollars before our inflation went crazy. Uh, that would be like a fourteen million dollar movie, which is about what it looks like. That, really, that's about what it looks like. Yeah. yeah. Um, box office not so great. Two point nine. It was a loss. That'd be like making nine million off of a fourteen. I can't imagine why. Um, I'm guessing the release was not. Wide. I don't know how many screens that made it to and what that means in $1980, but... They were like, hey, there's no Disney on this poster. I uh, I think there's a reason why it was playing on heavy cable rotation <laughs> in, right. you know, five to seven years later. And the cast list is actually pretty interesting. It uh, is an interesting cast. I will grant it that. Yeah. Not our... 
brightest um, cast overall in terms of uh, wattage. Um, no. But there is like... And certainly not at the time that it came out. No. But uh, the list is pretty long. Um, okay, so we have a bunch of teams. Okay, so I'm going to run through the teams to, to get to the cast list. But the movie does start with a couple of, uh, you know, pretty girls in their hot shorts roller skating around uh, some college campus, UCLA. Could it be UCLA? I was wondering. I was trying to denote it, and I, I, it didn't look familiar. No? Okay. Maybe USC. Could be. We'll have to check it out. They're in Los Angeles, for sure. They have to be in Los They're Angeles. They're pointedly in Los Angeles at uh, several right. points in the movie. And there's roller skating around, and they're going to deliver mysterious invitations to the five types of college student. And those would be, i, I got to try to remember the order in which we see them, uh, the jock, the football mm-hmm. player, right? The um, meat, what were they called? The meat the machine. Meat, the meat machines. Mm. Which was the name of um, uh, the underboss, the secondary boss in the solo card playing game chainsaw warrior by games workshop nice sidebar we were fans me and zuzak were fans of the meat machine um so they deliver invitations to the jock the mm-hmm. nerd debate mm-hmm. nerd specifically yeah the fat guy <laughs> the woman <Who> is <laughs> and the normal person that's right. Right? And the normal person is uh, this, this is going to become the yellow team. Uh, that's led by David Naughton, who is just about to star in American Werewolf in London. He's also been starring in these Dr. Pepper, Wouldn't You Like to Be a Pepper 2 commercials. That's right. That's right. Big campaign. Uh, his kid brother, Michael Fox, barely... Um, out of his braces or whatever. He's got pretty nice teeth. I assume he wore braces. Is he wearing braces in the movie? I, picture, I think he is. I picture I him with braces. To, okay. I, I watched the movie Still, the Michael J. Fox documentary uh, recently, which was really good. And uh, he, they talked – I'm trying to remember if they referenced this movie. They probably showed clips from it because uh, it was very stock footage heavy. but uh, Or they integrated it into the narrative. But I remember – I was thinking the whole time during this movie how he had a leg up because they needed – being somebody who was um, always short and youthful looking, but yet older, really helped because they were always needing people to play kids, but they also needed responsible actors. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, like, he was getting all these kid parts when he was all already way older. He right. just looked young. Yeah, he could play a teenager for right. And and may I may time. I I hope I'm not blowing something you got planned, but uh, I thought it was pretty amazing that this movie has both the American Werewolf in London. And Teen Wolf in the same movie, and they're brothers. Hey, I didn't Pretty think about cool. that. Yeah, <laughs> wow. And they have very different werewolf experiences. Very different werewolf experiences. Yeah, right. I did not put that together. That's great. Uh, then the blue team, the bad guy team, bad guy team is going to have Stephen First as Harold. Stephen First, who uh, mm-hmm. I, you know most. People probably these days know him as Flounder in Animal House. At the time I was seeing this movie, I knew him best from St. Elsewhere. I wasn't... Um, God, was he on St. Elsewhere? Oh, yeah, yeah. He was, really? Uh, well, the voice of Knight Rider, the voice of Kit, uh, that Dr. Daniels, yeah. Well, William no, Daniels. he would always pick on... Um, he was always picking on Ed Begley Jr., that's right. 
but he's a comic right. relief character. He's kind of a loser type, a klutz, uh, a schmuck. Oh, wait, which is the one that gets the soup dumped on him? In the credits, opening credits? No, like the a schmuck oh. and a, a schlemiel. No, a schlemiel and a schlemazel. One oh, is oh. one's the guy who spills the soup, one's the guy who spills the soup on. I don't know. Stephen first. He's, he's Dr. Elliot Axelrod. Yeah. Okay. He I was the no one who... 97 episodes. He'd get the... Yeah, he's a regular. He's like on every episode. Um, he'd get the soup dumped on him. He's, he was that kind of guy. Uh, a lovable, lovable guy uh, on that show. Not at all like in... Right. Midnight uh, Madness. Midnight Madness. It's, it's incredibly grating. I mean, you, you need a villain. I get that. And... They kind of set him up as someone to either get a comeuppance or grow, and he does kind of neither. <laughs> hmm. Well, he, he right, he's just the main antagonist. He get, he comes close. Yeah. He comes close. He gets sprayed right. with the hose. He has to get wet. He gets hit with the hose. Was he? Yeah. You know, <laughs> which is my favorite old timey convention of uh, of uh, yeah. Oh no, I'm wet. <laughs> Yeah. Get me wet. And he's, I mean, he's constantly getting humiliated. Um, oh, yeah. By Andy Tennant as Melio on his team, who has four entire film credits, all of which I've seen. Really? Yeah. So Midnight Madness, Grease, Grease 2. Oh, right. And I've forgotten the other one. He's become, he's the one that's become a producer mostly? Uh, director. He directed director. Sweet Home Alabama and Hitch. And um, It Takes Two, starring Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen, mm. the Olsen twins. My, my former bosses. Your former bosses. And which one has bedroom eyes again? Oh, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> I didn't say that. That wasn't a quote from me. Uh, that, that was the quote from one of the people I worked with. She, she was a woman, and it's Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, his uh, fourth film credit is 1941. Oh, which I yeah he had a he had a real like you almost felt for Stephen First's character because that the 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 looks that guy gives you just eat eat away at you. Andy Tennant. <laughs> we'll we'll get back to him. Okay. Uh, Harold's Stephen First's girlfriend, played by Patricia Ellis Albrecht, who had my favorite moment in the movie. Okay. Do you want to go ahead and say <laughs> that now, that. or are you going to save that? Uh, it was the only. It was the only human part of this movie. It was when. It was when they all got to the air. The the locker. Uh, air, I think it was the airport locker at LAX, and they all had a gift box in the locker, and then they all get back to their cars to open it, which oh is yeah, silly because. And then she's unwrapping this blue wrapped box with a white ribbon on it, and she takes the ribbon off. And she admires the ribbon for a second, and goes, huh. Oh. <laughs> and they're all like, get it up with the box. But like, it was such a huge, yeah. to keep that ribbon. It's like, this is a nice ribbon. And then she starts peeling off the scotch tape like she's going to save the ribbon. Yeah, like well, they're all in a race, you know. <laughs> That's good. This movie's got some some decent physical business. There, I, yeah, that was I the laughed only one. a lot at. <laughs> For me. Yeah. Sorry, that was the only one. Like, there's not many laughs in the dialogue, but. I, there were quite a few in uh, like little little bits like that. Um, anyway, I she. Take that back. I laughed a few other times. You might have all enjoyed her and Jem and the holograms. She is Pizzazz, leader of the Misfits. Oh. We are the Misfits. Our songs are better. We are the Misfits. 
and we're going to get her. That's her. She sings that. That's cool. That's not the most impressive voiceover work coming up. Though. There's a lot of voice work, uh, voiceover yeah. talent here. On the yeah. Red Team, Red Team's going to be led by Maggie Roswell, who... This was my most impressive. Yeah, go ahead. A Simpsons regular as Maud Flanders, Helen Lovejoy, Milhouse's mom, who I'm not saying her name just because I'm nervous. I'm not going to say Milhouse's last name correctly. But basically, she played every wife except for Marge. Anyone who was a wife on The Simpsons, she she played. Speaking of Marge, she, uh, this is from her Wikipedia page. Fellow Simpsons cast member Nancy Cartwright wrote in her autobiography that Maggie Roswell has been blessed with the skill in creating one of the hardest things to create, the normal sound. Yeah. I love her Helen Lovejoy. I really do. I think Helen Lovejoy is great. Okay. In the white team, white team's led by Eddie Deason. The D's As Wesley, who, uh, famous, famous for playing nerds, is all over the 80s playing nerds in Greece, in Mob Boss, which was a poster that adorned young Siggy's wall in his bedroom. <laughs> Mob Boss? Mob Boss. Terrible movie. Uh, he plays Mandark. In Dexter's Laboratory, as well as many other voiceover parts. Oh, wait, he's in most of the movies Andy Tennant's in, isn't he? Because he's in 1941 as well. He's in 1941, that's right. Um, yeah, they've got some a lot of overlap there. Uh, and what movie is he not in, Wade? What is the movie Eddie Deason's not in, incredibly? It's a mad, 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 mad war. Oh, Revenge of the Nerds. Revenge of the, the Nerds, or any of its sequels. Which is, he? I was like, oh, he oh yeah, he's not, huh? Yeah, he's not in that. Just seems like he would be. If I'm not mistaken, I believe he is in one of the Wacky Race series' upcoming selections. Uh, he's not the only one. Yeah. Who I think we'll be seeing again. I like to think, I just have this little fantasy in my mind that Eddie Deason was approached to... Be in Revenge of the Nerds, or maybe like just called in and like, okay, well, when do I start in Revenge of the Nerds? And they were like, uh, right, <laughs> he just showed up the set. I'm just expecting it. Yeah, <laughs> but he's like, where's my, tra- where's my trailer? Where's my, you know, he like thought this was his chance to be a huge star, and like he right. had these outrageous demands, and so that's uh. His career we have this guy direction. from the number one of the bullet. His name is Robert Carradine. You can't replace me with a Carradine. Watch. <laughs> <laughs> okay. On the green team, the jock team, the one who loves beer the most, rapturously, yes. Dirk Blocker, a good name for someone playing an offensive lineman. <laughs> also, you know who he's the son of, right? I, Dick Blocker? <laughs> no, Dirk. <laughs> Brother no, of Cockblocker. Cock Cock, well, he's the no, brother uh, of Cockblocker. Right. No, he is the son of Dan Blocker, who twins. played who played Hoss on Bonanza. Oh, okay. And and Dirk uh, actually on my one of my favorite podcasts, Bonanas for Bonanza, he actually came on to discuss his father's experience on the set of Bonanza. Oh, he's a funny guy. I've never watched Bonanza. I don't. I don't know and who you're talking on, about. 
he's currently was on um, uh, or on uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Well, that's exactly why I brought him up, Wade. Oh, okay, because great. he's <laughs> Detective Hitchcock on Brooklyn Nine Nine. He's Hitchcock of right. the of the lazy inept detectives. He's the bald one. Well, one of my other laughs in this movie literally came from him saying, "Beer." <laughs> yeah, uh, it worked. I have to say, way to go, Dirk. Yeah. Uh, it turns out Homer Simpson didn't invent loving beer. Yeah, I know. Or, um, uh, oh, I, I hate the man so much I've forgotten his name. Good. Never mind. I'm just trying to guess what you might have been saying. Uh, another person who loves beer that you hate. I was trying to think of a comedy sketch about a congressional uh, a hearing of them vetting a candidate for the Supreme Court. And it was a giant uh, mountain lion. And they were talking about how he had, the mountain lion had been possibly killed a deer. And the mountain lion would have to start crying and say, well, I like deer. I like deer. Well, what can I say? I like deer. Uh, that, okay, <laughs> that guy. That's right. I just love that that's in the con- <laughs> big moment in congressional U.S. history. Is some guy just, I like beer. <laughs> I hate sand. Right. <laughs> Well, those are all the teams, but that's not all of our cast list. We're not done with our cast list, Wade. No. We got uh, Leon's Neighbors. We'll talk about Leon in a minute. Um, Leon's not in our cast list because these are only people that you might know from other things. And And Weirdly, Leon wasn't in anything else, Leon's career apparently begins and ends here for reasons we might guess. Um, Irene (laughs) Tedro, though, as his landlady, Ms. Grimhouse, I... Knew I'd seen her from somewhere. She was on Dennis the Menace. She was the mm-hmm. she was the nasty neighbor lady. That's right, the Snoopy neighbor. Uh, we we have W C Fields of nasty neighbors. <laughs> uh, also, uh, and with the first set of neighbors who come in to complain and then become rapturously enthusiastic about this game, John Fiedler as yes. Wally Thorpe. Whose voice you might recognize as Piglet, little Piglet. That's right. He's also in the Odd Couple. He's one of the poker mm-hmm. buddies in the in the movie. Whenever he comes on, you're like, oh hey, this guy. Yeah, yeah I've so seen him in a bunch of stuff. He, yeah, he's always like popping up in old TV shows. Yeah. Uh, his mother is played by Loretta Tupper, who was the Fruit of the Loom lady. Oh, she's the old lady nice. in the free, this she, was pre-fruit. She won a Cleo as uh, for oh. her role in the Fruit of the Loom Lady. She was that old like um, vaudevillian and jazz piano player. Uh, she mm-hmm. played a piano player on Sesame Street named Mrs. Trump, oh. Mrs. <laughs> May Trump. Directors nicknamed her One Take Tupper for her ability to <laughs> complete her part in just one take. Just in case you couldn't see where that was going. But other notables in our cast list will include Paul Rubens, pre-Pee-Wee Herman. He's probably already invented the Pee-Wee Herman character at this point. I think he's already maybe doing those shows. Um, Marvin Kaplan joining the two-timer club. There's your mad world. Has he been more than than two? You know, it feels like it, but no. This is only his second visit to the Wacky Races. But maybe not his last. <laughs> and then 
as the bellboy, John Voldstadt, who was my other brother, Daryl, on Newhart. Aha, uh-huh. oh, I missed him. I missed, I did not recognize him either, but there he was. He was one of the, <laughs> those are all the names in the cast list that had links, except for one who, he just, like, he was a Klingon on the Trouble with Triples episode, but you know, like I noticed that uh, the woman who plays, uh, quote, busty waitress, who sadly her, on her on IMDb, her photo, it's it's every photo is just looking down her blouse. Um, but she says under the known for uh, she does stunts in Tron, the Golden Child, Roadhouse and Ghostbusters, too. So OK, she was quite the prolific stunt woman. All right. Were they <laughs> were they all boob stunts? I have no. <laughs> well, they'd have to qualify for that. I think. I hope she got stunt pay for this movie because, or at least to, to for her, uh, it was. Yeah, it was. That was a. Uh, I hope the other roles were more sorry dignified scene. than dignified. Yeah, the one in treated uh, her better. Yeah, exactly. Midnight Madness. Okay. Because not only does it just stare down her top the whole time, it ends with her just slipping and falling on the floor, and everyone running away, <laughs> nobody helping her. Yeah, everyone. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, she she's the most used person in this in this movie, I think. Yeah. Um well now we got to just talk about the scene. So this this is, okay. you know, all right. So they get these mysterious envelopes. They all show up to the secret location, which looks like the set of Mr. Robinson's neighborhood. It really did. I thought the same thing. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. It really did. I'm like, who has this little landing in this, like, like other than Mr. Robinson? Uh. And they come into a house that's filled with, what, a bunch of games? Are we in the mansion of Milton Parker once again? No, we're in this little, we're in an apartment near this college campus, this nondescript college campus in Los Angeles. Um. And here Leon uh, reveals himself. So these two cuties are his assistants, his... Their relationship is never defined. His cult members, his... That's what it felt like because they they had a genuine, like, affectionate reaction to him. But this is never outlined... Yeah. I just... It was confusing to me. Yes. So they're... I mean... I mean, they're probably his age. He's got, you know, facial hair, so he projects older, but he is very childlike. <laughs> they don't, so that means they're much younger. Yeah, right. That's exactly <laughs> what that means. Um, but let's assume they're all college age. Um, mm-hmm. Like, they all, you know, everybody, everybody, it's not clear that they all know each other when they're invited, um, but they all immediately, and what I... Sounded like ADR, like an afterthought. It was after Leon reveals himself, they all go, Leon. That that was that is my second favorite all time ADR joke because it it, it legitimately it was my first laugh in the movie. Was just we we're like, who is this going to be? Who's this going to be? And this kind of nerdy looking disheveled kid comes up, and you just hear everyone go, Leon, really, yeah. really think. But then it never cuts back to them for a very long time. And when it cuts back to the gang, you realize, oh, they they don't look like they just said that. No, and it doesn't sound like the, their voices either. Like, no, it's, it's not. <laughs> but someone someone smart realized 
Like, because he reveals himself and there's no reaction. Right. So they had to do something, right? So they put that in very smartly, but after the fact, and it was genuinely funny, but also (laughs) it cuts back and they don't seem to know him at all. But it was a shock. (laughs) Yeah. It was a shock to me because watching this as a high schooler, (sighs) I always assumed this was like a mysterious stranger who concocted this thing and like invited I don't know what like like none of these people knew uh, what they were what they were in and right. like you know they were just getting these mysterious messages and they were just going to find out where they led given by black helicopters or something, something like you know, know. And so yeah. oh this is a, just a friend of theirs who organizes puzzle hunts this is Sandy <laughs> you just get Leon this is yeah this is like our friend Sandy who does the same thing except yes exactly Except his puzzle hunts are, um, uh, have eliminated serious design flaw of this puzzle hunt, which I'll <laughs> I'll address. Uh, Sandy has always shortly. had models of the vehicles that we're driving, like on hand, even though he could never possibly know what those had been before that moment. But he will always was able to get little models to put he, on the map. He definitely can't know. I mean, maybe he has studied David Naughton, Adam, normal, yeah. normal, likable guy, um, enough to know that he's going to ask his friend, his one black friend who owns a yellow Jeep, <laughs> to be his wheels, and therefore they will be assigned the yellow team. Okay. They're color-coded. So this is one of my big complaints about scavenger hunts. Right. Midnight Manus gets the color coding right. They all have I will give this yeah. matching sweatshirts with the notable exception of the guy in the tuxedo. They all have matching vehicles. Not assigned the vehicles aren't assigned to them like the sweatshirts are, but like all the debate nerds all have matching mopeds, which is just a nice <laughs> Right. A nice touch. They they already had that pre planned, right? So when they're driving they're around, they really look like uh, it really looks like an um, it's an inspired inspired from the Warriors, you know, like you got the baseball gang, you've got the disco gang. Oh, right. yeah, what are the do. other gangs? There's a baseball gang. I forget the other ones. Anyway, they're all like and themed the, gangs. The, the, the green team has uh, is the football. They have a green bug, and they all are wearing their green jerseys. So yeah, this movie got color coding. Yeah. Uh, right, almost with a vengeance. When they go to the <laughs> lockers to get their next clue, the lockers are painted their colors. Inside, there's an envelope painted their color. Yeah. This is how you, yeah. this is, you know. It's how you, this, this was done well. Yeah. Because Scavenger Hunt failed that miserably. Hey, speaking of costumes real quick, um, I'm going to sh- I'm gonna share this with you real quick. Um, when Paul Rubens appears in the movie, he seems to be wearing... I, I recognize the outfit, I think. This oversized he was cowboy on, outfit. When he was on Comedy Bang... Can, ooh, can you see this? Yeah. Am I sure? Uh, when he was on Comedy Bang Bang, he seemed <laughs> to be wearing almost the exact same thing. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> it was like, oh. So yeah, to, to see him, like, what? And 40 years ago, wearing the same thing in a movie? It was like, oh. Appearing wow. as Pee Wee Herman? Right. So maybe he's confirming that that was Pee Wee Herman. Pee Wee Herman running the thing. At the Pinball City. 
I was about to say, and again, no jokes for him, but he did have the one, the 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 gun that shot the the quarters. He's just inherently f- comical. Well, yeah, just looking at, it, but There's, we know built in. But like, he's got nothing to do except for that. No, you don't have to write jokes for Paul Rubens. He just Paul Rubens. Let's put you in the scene. You that's that's the joke. But he's just gonna yeah. do it funny. Just like my dad doesn't tell jokes; he just talks funny. My dad's a pretty funny guy. So they're invited to the game. They're told the rules. Again, scavenger hunt. Yeah. This is what you do. You explain how the fucking game works so that we can follow along. Okay? Right. You're going to be given a clue that's going to take you to destination. You're going to find a clue there using your wits that's going to lead you to the next destination. So on and so on until you find the final destination. And get your prize, which is glory. This is like gumball rally. Like all you get is a celebration at the end. Everybody's going to be at the same party. Everybody's going to ostensibly get the same prize, but only one gets to say that they won. And that's it. Just bragging rights. And just for fun. Just to live. To life. L'chaim. So, uh, and they're given like 24 hours to assemble their team and they can assemble any team they want and any means of transportation they want. Leon already knows what former transportation Somehow, you're going to choose, right. apparently, or he's very fast with his custom magnetic art. a 3D art. printer. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a 3D printer. <laughs> to put in his big wall-sized uh, map of, of Los yeah. Angeles. If they were paying now, attention... And they were looking at that map. It really could have narrowed down the locations that they were supposed to go to. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, well, it's all right there. He doesn't have the entire, like, Thompson's Guide painted on his wall. He's only going to have the buildings <laughs> that are relevant to this right, adventure. Right, exactly. Is it uh, Thompson's Guide or Thomas's Guide? Thomas's I think guide. It's Thomas guide. Yeah, Thomas, Thomas guide. guide. Okay, sorry, Jim. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you see, it's this, it's this aspect of the movie that makes me go. I wish I liked this movie more because it does have that feeling of just. It it, it has the basis for the spirit of like Gumball Rally. I'm like we're just doing this for the fun of it, thrill of it. There's there's yes, it's competitive, but that just makes the fun more, and and we're all gonna have a party. I did not get that vibe at all in this movie no and so uh you know so i so without that there was really nothing and i don't want to trash talk something you really like but for me there was like nothing for me to hold on to then at all in this movie so that's fair Um, not not a good viewing experience for me what what was great about gumball rally was it was a very friendly rivalry right you know everybody wanted to see everybody else Finish the race. Uh, no. I'm getting the uh, Dr. Tung's 3D House of Good Nights <laughs> uh, <laughs> from the corner of my eye. <laughs> Good night, bud. <laughs> um, uh, but no, and this one is, is purely antagonistic. Yes. Uh, there's never... Very contentious, not... This movie really needed a, a an unexpected alliance. It really did. It really would have because helped. Because what happens is is that there's more contention in everybody's own group. 
Wait, what you am know, I talking within... about? There is an unexpected alliance. Oh. The yellow and red team team up. Oh, the, the yellow. Wait, the the red and the uh, white the, team. God damn the it! The red and the white team. Yeah, red That's and white. Right. Yeah, you're right. I what's wrong with me? I'm drinking a non-alcoholic beer. Like I don't know what's wrong. <laughs> That's the problem. I, you I know, think. I went to bed late and I woke up at five for no reason at all. I think it's I've just had a long day. Yeah. No, but I still, I should well. know the difference between yellow and white. Um, That's right. And 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 not an Indizen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I like I, as I said it, I was. Like well, they ride around around in their mopeds. They're they're white mopeds. <laughs> you know, the yellow team. They run around in their white after mopeds. their. I I wanted purple to see truck more, gets destroyed. I really wanted to see more of Deason and Roswell having like moments together for me to, for that to actually mean anything. And and then at the and then Deason was still kind of a jerk at the end. And Roswell, oh boy! But like she she was the cast member who excited me the most out of all of these people when I found out who she was. I was like, oh wow. We actually get to see she hasn't done a ton of live action. She has, but not. I mean, she's done some. Oh, so you just knowing her from her Simpsons work, we're excited to see. Well, I looked it up at the beginning. Who yeah. are we looking at? You know, and then like, oh, oh, oh wow, the the fight in the uh, in the pinball. What was the pinball place called? Pinball City. Pinball Surely City. you remember the clue that we all had well, to solve. Uh, oh, that's right, Pinball City. That was one of my favorite. Okay, so uh, <laughs> we're just going to jump all over the place. There's not going to yeah, be much yeah, we're organization all, we're, here because right. honestly, it's not worth talking about. Well, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to go puzzle by puzzle. No, you no, know. let's not do that. But like, there. So okay, so physical business. You're just making me think of it with the pinball city clue, but some physical business I really liked. Um, so when the meat machine. The green team, the jocks, are running around bullying people. They're not the main bad guys of the story. They're kind of no. they're kind of lovable. Yeah, they're just a bunch yeah, of yeah. goofballs who love. I don't know. They just don't know what to do with themselves except for to be big meatheads. But like right. when they're like, they just spray people down. With this, yeah, they bring around spray people with beer. Like that's their uh, or throw tomatoes at uh, the debate team. I kind of come around to feeling like for them, they they. This is good-natured fun. <laughs> right, yeah. Like, with Stephen first, it's about he's got grievance because uh, unearned grievances that he's trying to snap back at, oh, that Adam. And we're like, we don't know why. We don't even know if Adam even knows him. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but, well, his uh, dad loves uh, his dad loves Adam. Dad loves Adam, right, exactly. Yeah. So, like, he's got that, he's got beef. But none of these guys, they're just, they, they wreck havoc. They're doing things that could legitimately hurt and, and people. But, yeah, it's more just about having fun than cruelty, well, you know? Well, I mean, Stephen first, right? I mean, so he's like the rich, spoiled brat. One right. of the first things we do, I mean, yes, he eats constantly. But he also, like, makes a mess and taunts the he's, maid yeah. uh, in Spanish uh, that she has to clean it up. It's a cheap shot, but like it's a great way to get us against this guy. Like against see him we'll... pick on the the vulnerable, right? Right. The the marginal. He's not a very efficient eater either. He he <laughs> no. grabs things with his hands and he doesn't even get to eat hardly any of it. It's very Yes. Yeah. He's both greedy to eat as much as possible, but also seems to really enjoy wasting as much food as he can yeah. without eating <laughs> exactly. it. Exactly. It's an interesting combination of traits. Yeah, 
He's not he's not uh, uh, gluttonous enough to actually consume the food he's taking. <laughs> Just that he's taken it. Yeah. You know? So that physical business of Stephen first shoveling food into his mouth, I did not find funny. Yeah, not once. Uh, no, it's not, not very once. funny. Um, but some bits I did like. Um, so when the... <laughs> oh, I can't finish a one goddamn thought. So... Uh, so right like uh steven first goes out of his way to be a prick as harold the jocks are also going out of their way to like go and spray down the sorority party the rush party Mm -hmm. where the red team um is hanging out to try to get more than four members to the sorority like it's not clear why they're an unpopular sorority at all there's no backstory here like we were finally going to get more than four members like, why do you only have four members? You seem cool. Your your sidekick is just a pugnacious, <laughs> yeah, just pugnacious little redhead pugnacious. with a fiery temper. And then you got the, the Lulu twins who are, you know, um, plus-sized and Self-explanatory. very giggly. <laughs> have their own language of giggles. Yes, that's right. Um, communicate only in giggles. Anyway, but when they go to the debate team, the debate team is debating about how football shouldn't be on campus. And I think the football players are like, uh, we're a natural part of the campus ecosystem. Like our role in the food chain is to go around spraying people with beer. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like that's what we do. We're not doing it to harm anyone. It's just... It's just our role. It's just a, yeah, it's just, a, it's just how we evolved. I had a very interesting uh, – uh, uh, sorry, this will, I'll try to make this tangent That's short. Okay. I'm on but like, tangent number six. <laughs> but, like, I had a very interesting reaction to that scene of Eddie Deason, like, saying that, that, oh, you can put a ball in a hoop or you can kick a ball over a post. We don't need it. We should get rid of football. You know, I used to have that attitude. I, I – I, I, viewed sports players as nothing but oh great you celebrate you can put a ball in a basket whoop-de-doo you know i did used to have that attitude i didn't like it because i watched it eat everything else at my school up Mm -hmm. you know not there's no room for anything else because it's only basketball but now my son is big into basketball and very good at it and i've learned so much from watching him now it's my favorite thing to do is to go watch him play and I'm I, I'm at his uh, practices, which I always call rehearsals. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we gotta get you to basketball rehearsal. Damn it, practice. And um, and I'm learning so much and seeing and I'm seeing the value of like now I'm going. I'm watching now. I'm watching clips of like you know. Um, oh crap! What's his name? Like Pistol Pete and mm. Magic Johnson and all these guys. And I'm now I'm going. Holy crap! You have to. Be really smart to play this game. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like you have to, you know, and anti- not only you have to be such in tune with your with your. I know them. Sound, I'm not saying anything to you and the rest of the world don't already know. <laughs> I'm just learning it for the first time, you know. And so when yeah. so, you're like so Dick I'm Cheney, like, who didn't believe in the value of gay sex until he watched his daughter do it. <laughs> hey, you know there might be something to this. Uh, yeah, but the smart I, basketball yeah. player. There's like some yeah. racist quote of um, who was it? Was it the guy who started the Harlem Globetrotters? Somebody who thought 
There's a quote I read that um, that this is like in the 1930s or something that Jews would be particularly good at basketball because of their like crafty nature. <laughs> it was both, you know, I'm not Jewish, but like I can only imagine like a, a, a Jewish man reading that and saying, they think we're good at basketball. You know? <laughs> Like that'd be a real. If they could just keep, you know, I can imagine the Zucker brothers like reading that and saying, "Yeah, yeah, 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 exactly." You know, because they have a direct joke about that in airplane completely. <laughs> right. They'd be very good at basketball if they could just stop rubbing their hands together greedily. They could actually, yeah, yeah get them in the paint. They'd be able to scheme up a, a score. <laughs> scheme. Uh, cut, oh boy! You better cut that yeah, out. so. <laughs> I don't know. It was pretty funny because it's terrible. It's funny because it's terrible and wrong. Oh boy! <sighs> but yeah, so like I'm learning all this stuff, and I'm seeing Eddie Deason like, and I'm sitting there going, "You're wrong, Eddie Deason. There was a time <laughs> when I was on your side." It feels weird because now I'm like, "Am I really on the green team?" No, I don't. Because they literally they smack him with. And he does some pretty good pratfalls in the in the slipping on. This the, is why this is what I was trying to say. Oh, except <laughs> I'm tripping myself up. Uh, yeah, his pratfall with knocking down the lectern, not podium. Yeah, lectern. Oh, sorry. No, I I said it, not you. Um. Uh, yeah, that was really good. Um, it's really good. It shows why he should be and re- why he's in all the nerd. <laughs> when oh. Actually, maybe one of the lowest moments is when Yellow Team, uh, Adam, and and inexplicably, inexplicably um, uh, stricken, inexplicably stricken co-worker, what's her name? The girl on the Yellow Team. Oh, right. Uh, Betty Klinger or something? Who, what's her? Uh... Just her, who's... <laughs> Deborah Klinger, what's her actual name? You know, the little uh, Laura direction in brackets for each one of her lines is um, like gazing longingly at Adam. Right. Pout lips. Making eyes. Making eyes, right. When, so uh, so he's a fresh, he's a counselor. He's a freshman counselor, which means he's a counselor to freshmen. Right. And this freshman uh, is... <laughs> Is uh, romantically um, uh, stunted. Um, oh right, yeah. Flinch, his name. Flinch, Joel Kinney. Flinch, because he needs to learn not to flinch. He's having no luck with girls, and Adam's like, "This is actually a pretty good line." Adam's like, "Well, you're not a a virgin, are you?" He says, "Oh no, no, I've never even had a date." You know, decent line, decent delivery. Anyway, he gets a date. His mother arranges a date with him. And he walks through the door and says, she's right on the other side of that door that I have just come through. He's all dressed up in a tux. He's in a tux for his first date, like you do. Just like you're getting married. Literally like you do. For your first date. (laughs) Sure sign of success. And so Adam and, uh, what's her name, peek through the door and spot, oh, no, she's ugly. 
Oh, no. There's like a snap zoom or something, right? Poor Flinch. This girl's <laughs> got braces. This completely socially awkward. She's skinny. <laughs> she's, she's just like Flinch. Oh, <laughs> he can't so be with her. No, he can't. And it's not like, hmm, what do we do? It's like they immediately shut the door like there's a violent strain on the other side. <laughs> and say, Flinch, we got to get you the fuck out of here and drag him <laughs> even, away. Even Laura. Laura's like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> we can't have that. And she, yeah, she says, you'll yeah. thank us later. As if, <sighs> as if so Flinch mean. doesn't know what she looks like and they're sparing him. Like the situation, right? But he just—he just—he was escorting her, and then somehow, for some reason, left her out in the hallway. It makes those—it's one of the few times it, this movie actually does a decent job of setting up its gags, for the most part. And but this is—it had gags. We're ahead gags. This one, uh, <laughs> but this one is a complete fail. This was real this, scavenger hunt level. This was really bad. It was really lo- it was a really low moment. It. it and, and well, it, the targets it, thought about unjustifiable anyway, but at least right. like the formula is wrong too. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. And then I thought about her the whole rest of the movie. I never stopped thinking about. Yeah, her. what's she doing? Why didn't they bring her along? Yeah. You know? Or uh, I don't know. Have Harold end up with her or something? I don't know. Why write that into the movie? It doesn't make any sense. Or like you'd only she could tear off her mask and it's Leon. It's yeah, <laughs> but you know you set that up because you're going to have Flinch find his romance later in the movie, right? Instead, he'll just find his courage, the courage that he right. will, the confidence that he will need to get a girl. He he will become the embodiment of a New Yorker cartoon, saying, "Let me interrupt your expertise expertise with my confidence." Because that's all we need is confidence. Well, I mean, you you do need confidence to. Yeah, I guess it's hard to be romantically successful without confidence. I would say, um, but you know, have them end up with the with the twins. You know, yeah, just like Leon. I assume getting back to Leon and his two uh, candy and. Not Bambi, a name like that. I want to say that, yeah. Uh, I just assume their whole deal is Leon's giving fantastic head. <laughs> it's 1980. It would track. It's 1980. Not a lot of guys are doing it. Candy and sunshine. It's candy and sunshine. Yeah. And not everybody, it's not a common thing for guys to be doing in 1980. And Leon's all about it. And is fantastic at it. I think that's the whole story for me. That's my headcanon. That's my fanfic (laughs) that I have written and posted. I I approve. The, uh, I was actually talking, discussing, uh, midnight madness with my, my colleague here who seems to have a story about anything I bring up. And, um, one thing he said was he said, well, you're going to have to look at around like, because I was perplexed at a lot of the what seemed to be lack of humor. And um, I found myself most enjoying the movie when we were in Leon's apartment with the neighbors coming in and stuff hmm. like that. I mean, the, the, the mystery of the game itself has been dispensed with and they're just executing it. 
and I'm not really caring for too much of the characters, but I love seeing uh, the neighbors come in and get excited. Okay. Like that's kind of fun. Um, Mrs. Grimhouse. Um, she, uh, anyway, I was talking about, and, 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 and my, my colleague said, well, you, you're going to have to go back to the 1980s and really remember what was going on at that time to get most of this humor. And I'm like going, oh, how political or socially conscious is this movie? I don't, I don't think it is. But there, but there is one line in particular that really stood out to me and I found really, really funny, but probably also one thing that was being uh, probably appealing about the movie at the time was when um, Mrs. Grimhouse uh, is, is berating or uh, Leon about uh, waving her eviction papers in front of him, which I questioned, can you just have eviction papers without like what and apparently you could at that time before the laws changed later in the in our country that you could just have eviction papers standing by that you could just serve when somebody annoyed you too much and then the laws changed and we got that out but she's waving these in front of him i didn't know any of that stuff uh she's waving in front of him and then she says to him you 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 student <laughs> which really made me laugh but then I realized that was the probably the perception at the time is that people who were in college were draft dodgers and hippies and layabouts and peop the 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 undesirables the uh uh what's the what's the deplorables basically were the the students here because they 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 have no values and blah 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 and so that's what the youth were kind of you know fighting against that time so i was like oh well maybe look at this movie a little bit differently then and, and look at it through that light and nope not really didn't help much <laughs> in my opinion but it is interesting to uh to see that stink on it that uh patina of like you know anti-youth um in uh, at the time well that's just how comedy that's i mean how comedy generally works you have an authority yeah. figure that the rebellious hero has to skirt around you know the disapproving cop the the dean the principal the, you know right so this you need a you need a hierarchical structure that can be you know get a pie in the face yeah or you need a cop to you know kick in the pants or something like that the high status you know. antagonist versus the low status protagonist right. but this movie confuses me in its in its uh uh in the teams because it's not slobs snobs versus slobs like animal house or up the creek or something like that it's it's no in this one the rich um, people are the slobs <laughs> right the rich people are the slobs the geeks are the snobs so like it's all kind of out of whack i don't really i mean for stereotypically anyway i, I would like to say i found that interesting but i didn't um well as a kid i totally rooted for the nerd team Oh yeah, I, I swear I expected to, but weirdly that that sports comment <laughs> <laughs> threw me into an existential crisis. Something in which I never thought I'd ever have to ask myself. Yeah, why am I not on the nerd team? Well, they're not very. Also, all the other also all the, all the other nerds actually were pretty attractive. Just made to look more like Eddie Deason. <laughs> Shows that. <laughs> That's why he had to be their leader. Right. You notice when he's he's first seen, he's reading a book. He's reading Robert's Rules of Order. (laughs) I I don't know why, but I thought that was funny. Yeah, he would totally know them already. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. What is he doing? He's just pleasure reading, you know? Maybe he was just just proofreading that edition. There you go. Looking for typos. 
Something else missing, uh, uh, connecting this to the rest of our wacky race is thing. Speaking while we're on the subject of themes, you know we've seen uh, repetitive themes in this in throughout uh, most of these movies. Yeah, uh, and and notably, you know I famously did not like those magnificent men and their flying machines. Famously, However, yes, famously. Uh, sca- the last episode, uh, Scavenger Hunt, and this one were notably absent of any sort of women's lib storyline. That's true. Which had permeated almost every other entry we had. Um, and in fact, I think Midnight Madness does a lot to go the other way with it. <laughs> yeah, this is the, right. Kind of, as, like as the almost, waitress as almost, is a pure object. Yes. In this movie. Well, uh, right. The way that fat people the, were in Scavenger Hunt. Right. Um, uh, 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 Stephen First's girlfriend, I think girlfriend, who's got him on the diet. Yeah. Um, uh, seems to be someone at first because she's just a, a good actress, so I gravitated toward her. But then by the end, the movie throws her in a fountain and wants us to laugh while she's being kicked. And I'm like... Um, uh, I I didn't know she was that role. <laughs> well, she's on the bad guy team. She's but she's on the bad guy team. Yeah, she does laugh at uh, yellow team when their tires are slashed. So she's that's true. You know, she's not like uh, the moral center, the conscience of true. the of the blue team at all. So okay, that whole f- fat boy doll, the burger joints like mascot doll thing. That didn't. No, that didn't work. That's kind of like the really toilet thing from Scavenger Hunt. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was just quizzical. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, you brought up so Lucille, right? It takes a long time for me to figure out that Lucille is supposed to be Harold's girlfriend. Yeah, the person that he, when she he, he keeps saying he got me on the diet, I'm thinking it's his mom that's got him on the diet, and then when it's like Lucille's got me on this diet, and I'm like, who? Oh, her? Is she your girlfriend? Right. So what is the whole deal? Like, what is the relationship between all these people on the blue team? You know, it's Harold's dad well, it's the, provides the van and the computer. And I want to talk about right. the computer. <laughs> but of course, we could talk for the whole hour about that computer. We um, we meet Harold just hanging out with these four other people. And it's like, these are his friends. Sycophants? Like, no, none of them like None of them like him. Lucille right. is his girlfriend, but I assume they're all paid by his father to hang out with them. Right. Except Blade. Dis- oh, Blade. <laughs> Blade, the Mexican-American who doesn't speak, whose doesn't speak. attribute is that he has a knife. And on two occasions uses it, maybe on one I think on one, on just on but one, he does get a single shot joke because we never see him. He doesn't seem to be in the van with them at any point until they're at the airport and they're like, "Blade." He just and no, he's he just kind of hangs around in the background of scenes, just yeah. kind of looking surly. And the idea is like he's dangerous and has a knife. Um, <laughs> but like. I barely noticed that he had a knife for a long time. Like he no. just will like be picking his fingernails with it, but not in a pointed way. Uh, not, 
not in a way nicely that nicely done. Not, nicely done. Thank you. Not in a way that the camera really draws attention to. Right. But when there comes time to flatten the tires of the yellow team's jeep, he pulls out his knife. Blade and, is there, and pokes the air valve with it, which is pretty funny gag. Yeah, because he he's gonna slash the tires and he just lets it. Out. Yeah, that's that's a good gag. I thought it at first. I thought it was just a budgetary. <laughs> Could be Can't actually slash this tire. Could be they they didn't want to go to four point eight million dollars, right on the budget. Um, I did think it was funny <laughs> when he wouldn't go through the metal detector. But that's so. It's a blade. He's, but nope. Yeah, right. Just shaking his head. That was good too. <laughs> that was that, that was, was a good funny. moment. Like, this nope. movie's got some good. Little bits. Uh, I I'm gonna still push back on that, but I will I will you're, concede. Well, you're happen. you are recounting them yourself, sir. So <laughs> push back on thyself. Oh, Doctor Hill, myself. Yeah, but that doesn't apply. No, it doesn't. Um, <laughs> it has the word thyself in it. Thyself, which is all all that mattered. <laughs> Beep, bop, boop. You know what I meant. But all these people, I assume they're his father's paying them to hang out with him. I mean, that's what. Except Emilio for Blade, who is the the maid's son. Oh, well, he could this be is my paid. this is Why this he... is in my fanfic. This is your fanfic. Yeah, that could be right. Right, Leon. Now, when he's resting his jaw, recounts the this information because he learned it. Now, while... Barf, on the other hand, I think he's just ever present anywhere. <laughs> Barf is just he's just an angel that hangs around. Just a celestial being. Are you a Barf fan? I wasn't until he played the piano, and then I loved him. <laughs> He's very enthusiastic. He's very proud of himself that he can play heart and soul on the piano. Yeah. And and then, uh, uh, yeah, it was really grating me until he started playing the piano, and then, I, then I'm like, okay, I'm team Barf now. <laughs> but uh, uh, I also did like the bit of business when they're at the end, when they're in the hallway, and they see the yellow team down the end of the hallway. And so Stephen first grabs Barf's hand and breaks the glass on the fire hose. Like, he won't do it himself. So he grabs Barf's hand and breaks it. You know who Barf reminds me of? Uh, stupid, the weasel with the baseball bat in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> he really does. That's who he... I, I had the vague... I had the vague sense that I'd seen him before in this role, and I couldn't place it until you just said it. Yeah, yeah, that's him. I wonder if he's the voice of stupid. Let's let's check. <laughs> I would not be surprised if it was a nice. Apparently, this this movie left a mark on people. So, <laughs> all right, blue team. So, Harold has his computer, right? <laughs> in his van that his dad got him, and he. Harold's real cocky because he thinks he's just going to feed the clues. He's going to feed Leon's puzzles into this computer, and the computer's just going to get it in seconds. This 1980s computer that he's playing Pong on. Right. So he feeds in the clues, and the computer does, like, solve it instantly. In seconds! Which is pretty (laughs) amazing. Like, it doesn't have... I mean, maybe it has... It's got a... Well, it doesn't have a phone, so maybe it's already, like, got a dialed... A modem like connection dialed up, but the computer either the computer either a was written by someone who didn't understand how computers work, or b 
it, the joke was was that it, it the computer had already learned the variables needed to solve a riddle. Well, here's the thing. So, I asked ChatGPT. Oh no! Uh, the same clues as Harold types into the movies, and um, I'm just going to give you the beginning of that conversation. So I say, okay. The following clue was supposed to lead me to a location somewhere in Los Angeles. The C is reversed. SS Atari is mixed up and blind. 3822.23 slash 5610.11. What is the solution? And I got I, I Can I guess? I'm guessing it's going to say, sorry, I can't. I, my, my circuits are filled with marshmallow. <laughs> It says, the clue you provided appears to be a cryptic riddle. Without additional context or knowledge of specific (laughs) events or landmarks that may have arisen after my last knowledge update in September 2021, I can't provide a definitive solution to this puzzle. Cryptic riddles often require knowledge of local references or wordplay specific to the area in question. You may wait to consult local resources or experts in Los Angeles who are familiar with such puzzles for assistance in deciphering the clue, which is what I thought I was doing. Yeah, exactly. With ChatGPT, yeah, yeah, yeah. but okay. So uh, I start breaking it down. I I say, you know, the um, the other teams just start taking it piece by piece. So I I try the same strategy with ChatGPT. And actually, when I've gotten ChatGPT write code for me, like giving it smaller chunks is much better than giving it the big problem. Yes. Okay. This is already way more entertaining than Midnight Madness. So what? Well, I have the knowledge of. <laughs> Of ChatGPT exists, right? That we actually have computers that can do this kind well, of thing. He had a he had a van computer, so I mean, he had a van computer, equal grand, equal with a sweet paint job, by the way. Yeah, it did. It had a nice paint job. Um, well, when I make the big spreadsheet of like features of these movies, uh, a sweet ass custom van should be one of the columns. Yeah, because we've had more than one of those now. Okay. So I just say, what are some possible interpretations of the C is reversed? This is one they get immediately in the movie. Oh, we just reverse the C to C the, which is pretty lame. Yeah. Uh, but ChatGPT is not so straightforward. The C is reversed could have several possible interpretations in the context of your riddle. Geographical reference. It could refer to the location in Los Angeles that is geographically related to the C. Los Angeles is known for its proximity to the Pacific Ocean, so this clue might suggest looking for a yada, yada, yada. Uh, It could be wordplay. It could be historical or cultural reference. It could be a metaphorical interpretation. Now I'm really abbreviating because... Right. But it's very interesting that ChatGPT is really hesitant to give you a definitive answer. He's just, just... He's not going to go. Yeah. Chat GPT is not going to go out on a limb. I gave it the easiest one. I thought the eighty eight hundred right. keys, which I, right. it, I thought it would notice that you know there are eighty eight keys on a piano, right? Um, and it again gave me like <gasps> janitor's ring. It gave me like four <laughs> possibilities, and none of them were like. Anyway, I went on for a while with Chat GPT. It didn't successfully solve any one part of any one of Leon's puzzles. And this is, you know, I mean, this is ChatGPT 3. This isn't the 4, the Enterprise. Um, I didn't try that. So maybe it's a little yeah. bit better. But it just makes me think, like, what a setback it was when Harold 
put his marshmallows in that computer. <laughs> because his father had achieved something, you know, 25 years ahead of, uh, four, 45 years ahead 40. of his time. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, that was probably alien technology that he had put into that van. Had to have been. You know, the, there was two times. They came for the pyramids and for that van. It's kind of like his father's kind of like the tragic, like Frankenstein kind of character, like Pygmalion oh, totally. or something. Like he couldn't make a son that he respected. So he put all of his time into building this computer that had a, a brain that he could relate to. And if he had just poured that energy into Harold, maybe he could have helped yeah. make Harold into somebody. And then he said, he's like saying, go out there and do this thing and become someone. And here, I'm going to give you all the tools to allow you to not actually make that journey yourself. <laughs> yeah. He's working against himself. He can't help it. I think this is going to be the next volume in my Midnight Managers fanfic. <laughs> the dad. Yeah. Leon. I think it's about the dad. Mr. Harold. There's lots of rich tragedy there to mine and it is why does he there make is. the decisions he makes yeah i don't think you know i think it's time for the legacy sequel <laughs> about the father oh, we, you, you know usually the legacy sequel is about the, old, the older the previous generation <laughs> exactly the legacy prequel well this could be a great because this could be like the before sunrise series of movies so it's midnight madness then it's going to be uh morning madness Oh, yeah. The dad's going to wake up, realize that he made a horrible mistake in giving him uh, ch cheats to win something that he should have won honestly. Dawn of Madness. Mm -hmm. Day of Madness. Then it'll be, yeah, it'll be uh, afternoon madness and magic hour madness. Got to keep the M's going. So what do you think of Andy Tennant? Emilio. <laughs> Not Emilio. No. Melio. Like mealy. Like literally like a mealy apple. Yeah. Like a mealy worm. Um, I think I mentioned earlier he was provocatively scummy and acerbic. Like just, well, I'm trying to get the right words here. He just uh, felt like needles under your skin. Whenever he looked at you or sided with someone against you, like it almost made me feel like you wanted we wanted to be on Stephen First's side, you know, weirdly. But Stephen First was the antagonist. Well, that's why I liked him. I liked Melio because, like, he recognizes what a mm -hmm. what a shitbag Harold is. Yeah. So it's like, well, I'm going to be even shittier. <laughs> I'm getting paid to be this shitbag's friend, so. Yeah. And I resent it, so I'm just going to. Yeah. I, I, I thought he was pretty funny. Yeah, I thought he was too. One of my favorite moments is when they're trying to puzzle out the pinball city, and it's a it's a picture of a safety pin. It's a picture of a guy sitting down in a chair, an E, and a ball, or just a red rubber ball, right? And he says, "Oh, it's easy. Mm -hmm. I got it right away." Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. Cherry point. Oh. It's a road. Cherry point. Chair. E. Point on the needle. Well, what about this red ball? He goes, he, he, he goes, hmm. and he's like smacks the lid that of the he box was in, away, yeah. and the ball just flies away. And then he just like gives a stupid smile, like, yeah. <laughs> like I didn't fucking think anything about the ball. 
probably in there for no reason. It's not even a comeback. It's just like, yeah, fuck right. it. <laughs> yeah. St- stupid ball. Stupid ball. That was like, uh, that was my biggest laugh of the whole movie. Yeah, that was pretty good. And it, it's just such an, a tossed off motion. Like, well, the thing, the thing that gets me is like you, you. It almost like it was almost like he was wasting the movie's time. I know, like you know, like this is this is dumb and we shouldn't be doing. It. It's easy. I don't know. Cherry point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever. Like he, yeah, he he doesn't give a shit if they win or lose. He's just like. Mm-hmm. But he also All he doesn't cares, want to go home. He's, <laughs> like, right? He's the ultimate troll. He's just yeah. He just wants Stephen first to be annoyed. He wants to own him. That's it. Yeah, I uh, I I I found him very uh, interesting as a screen presence. I think we. Well, now I got to go watch he, his other three movies and <laughs> see if I can even spot him. <laughs> right. He's credited in the nineteen forty one. Credits. He's listed as Babyface. I don't know. I haven't seen that movie since I was in high school, so I don't remember anything about it. All right. Uh, How much is there to say about this movie? Let's talk about the poor waitress. (laughs) Okay. So Leon's sending them around. Leon sends them to a Pabst Blue Blue Ribbon Brewery where he knows that these crates will be stacked in a certain order <laughs> that if you're standing in right. the right spot at the right moment, you will see what the next clue is. Right. We generally see him set, send them to places where he has some kind of control of the environment. He was able to place yeah. a custom piano there. He was able to install a video game, video game with system. like a laser disc player in it. But he sends them to Johnny's Fat Boy Burger, where they have to. The clue is, you know, you find the clue between two giant melons. And you and I aren't in 1980, but we know in 1980 exactly what two giant melons means. Right. None of the other characters in this movie do. We 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 proceed to watch all of our. Uh, a horny, slovenly base characters literally split up cantaloupe and honeydews going, what? What's going on? Yeah, they all go to the diner and they all order... Melon. Uh, melon. <laughs> well, okay, they all go to the diner because only one team was there to see the clue. But here's the design flaw right. in Leon. So the design flaw in Leon's puzzle hunt is that you don't have to solve any of these puzzles. You just have to watch people leave the place where they solved the puzzle and just follow yeah. them to the next location. Like all That's you need it. to do is tail people and you get all the benefits without doing any of the work. Right. You don't need to find something at each location and then assemble it. Right. You know, it's literally you you can you you could it's like winning nine ball by just Yeah. You know, this is what you do. The like there's you you find some secret piece of information. And then exactly, there's like a meta puzzle that all the all the solutions you've got all contribute to, and so if you haven't, exactly. if you skip anything, you're not going to be able to do the final solution. They 
Leon doesn't hasn't thought that far. He's not that sophisticated. Yeah, it doesn't seem clear to me what Leo sees as the appeal of his own game. You know what I mean? Well, he likes being in control. Well, yeah. Well, other than that. So that's probably all that needed to be. Which is why he loves being a, a sexual submissive to Candy and Sunshine. <laughs> it's that CEO thing. <laughs> it's not submissive to do that, is it? What's that? It's not submissive. Oh, to give head. To no, give but head. he also likes getting whipped and spanked. Oh, that's true. I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. Or is that only in your fanfic? How could you forget? You read my fanfic. <laughs> right? Yes, and I have some notes. You said you did. You said you would. Um, so anyway, so they so one of the team solves the Johnny's Fat Burger you know, Mr. Carson's obese child. And like, this is already like the fifth fat joke, already, like obese. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I see the words O and B, the letters O and B, because it's all being spelled out in parts. I'm like, is that going to say obese? Right. Are we going to that well again? Yeah, they don't They don't put the obese on the small little thing, slot thing that was given out privately. No, they write it in huge letters. This guy's obese child. So to go there, they have to look between two giant melons so they all order, give us your most giant melons. And so our our poor waitress comes from the back with trays full of cantaloupe, watermelon, honeydew. Unsliced. Pineapples? That's not a melon, is it? No. Maybe it technically <laughs> it's is. It's not a melon. No. And so everyone's like holding up and like, what do I do? And then uh, somebody like squints and... Y'all forgot about Ted! Yeah. And there, this waitress, between her bazooms, has a a necklace with letters on it, and they're all trying to read it. And so, like, more coffee, please, so she'll bend over and they can try to read her necklace. Next person's like, oh, uh, I dropped my plate. And they're like, oh, wait, the plate thing works better than coffee. (laughs) Because you can't drink coffee fast enough. And so they all just start throwing their plates on the floor until Stephen first. Wipes the whole table clean. Does a five easy pieces on it, and then she falls. And you know, none of them thought about. Oh no, we can't actually ask her to come over here and have a conversation like a human person. No, we have to. Right. What does direct your, them by stimuli? Like, a, like the assumption should be. Well, Leon has arranged this with her. And so right. once we realize that she has the clue, she'll let us read it. I mean, he had a whole team of Hare Krishna. Yeah. He hired all these people. The assumption would be that she's in on it. You, th- you would think Harold would be like, hey, I'm obviously a man of means. Right. I have many resources to make this game work. Here's $100. Wear this necklace. Please wear this necklace. But instead... He has not only like just happened to, while staring at her breasts, while ordering, you know, the moons over my hammy. He said, "Oh, she always wears that same necklace that says hug me. I'll I'll make a puzzle around that, and then I'm going to send these people here. I'm not going to clue her in, right? That this is why all these people are staring at her boobs. But she's, you know, she she's used to it." 
Why would she? Someone who's probably used to it. She probably would have caught on before they started dropping plates. What these people are doing, but. And so then these contestants are just going to drop plates so that they can read her necklace and make this huge mess for her. And she's going to have to run around like not even with zero judgment. She has. Yeah. Zero judgment. No judgment about. Oh, I have to do this. Yeah. Like, well, I I must. I must. It is a servant's duty to serve. Yeah. (laughs) It was a very troubling scene. And then once they read it, they're like, fuck you, bitch. And they're like, run (laughs) off. Like, have fun right, cleaning this shit up. We're off to the next adventure. It's, uh, it's like, why do very... people always run away when they see my hug me? <laughs> I, and she didn't get one single it's hug. It's the exact opposite of what I'm at. She gets no hug. No hug. Not a single hug. You know? It would be nice if Lucille had done that. I thought Lucille would, it would be nice to just go up and give her a little. There you go. No. Nothing. And... If you're asking people to hug you and you put that request like right in your decalletage, no. what exactly exactly what kind of hug are you asking for? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You're asking for a squasher. A squasher. <laughs> That's what you're asking for. I mean, I mean, it could be a question of height differentials. That's true. Well, it will always be a question. If you're a much shorter man or woman or non-binary, then the results of that hug might be a little bit different. Yeah, considerably Now, their necklace doesn't say motorboat me. Right, exactly. That's what we were all thinking. It doesn't say, Leon, give me head like you do to Candy and Sunshine. Exactly. It says hug me, so Yeah. yeah. But uh, hug me, you would... hug me translates. It's an anagram, a very complex, tricky anagram for. He, he, was it huge? Huge M. You just switched two letters around. It was yeah. so awful. Yeah, I was. I was. Think about it for just a little bit, guys. But I mean, it's it's an homage to <laughs> the huge W, and so therefore you're a fan no, of it. I, uh... Okay, what else is there to say about this movie? Um, there's some cops. I know we at feel a bit. You know, you feel. Oh, that's what we need to talk about because I know we feel a bit adrift because we didn't do walk through the whole thing. But seriously, we did not need to. <laughs> I mean, you're getting the gist. <laughs> we would have felt unfulfilled, unfulfilled if we had. I think we've mentioned all of them. I don't know. I like. I still. Yeah, think we mentioned most. There's too many fat jokes. There's this awful scene with the waitress. Um, right. There's some, the awful some scene moments that are very 1980. I mean, Flinch, if you, if, girl. If you watch date. 1980s comedies, you're going to run into these things, right? So that's true. So let's for, let's just hand wave all that. I'm away. not excusing it. I'm just saying, <laughs> like, it comes with the territory, right? Yeah, it's very. You yeah. watch a 1940s, uh, 1930s movie, and like, oh, this is great, and like, oh, there's the blackface scene. Uh, you know, Ugh. right? Um, Bing Crosby, a, a day at the races, right? You know, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, like, oh, I forgot that was in there. Blech. Um, so you know, but given all that, what's left? What, what's left? Well, <laughs> oh, Michael J. Fox. We haven't even talked about oh, Michael J. Fox. Yeah, there's nothing to talk about. You really. can see the potential there, right? 
I mean, the storyline is weirdly no, but he just still. I mean, he does like soak that camera up. I mean, he's on him, and you're like, okay. Well, I'm just looking at him as the Michael J. Fox I, I know later, but you know, he's there to suddenly give this this um, uh, character growth for Adam, which is which is none. frustrating, which is not, which is none. He, yeah, he does not grow. Yeah, I, him coming back to pick up the, his friends that he abandoned. Uh, after abandoning, who, who who just refused to get in the car with him because he abandoned his brother? Yeah, he didn't make up for it. No, <laughs> I don't think. Like, why anybody likes him when he's proven himself to be a completely selfish jerk? Um, that's a good point because he wouldn't have never been known as a selfish jerk if he hadn't played this game. Yeah, right. He was coming off as a nice guy who, ironically, didn't have the confidence to recognize that. His coworker, what's her name? What's her name? Laura. Laura was, uh, you know, making fuck was me eyes at him. Ready to be, all, yeah, all the time. Those Ashley eyes. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Uh, and even while he's like abandoning his little brother and sending him off into the night to have a, a, a an even more dangerous adventure. Yeah. She's still like, oh, Adam, you're so great. If only you could see what a nice boy your brother is. Then you'd be... That is your only flaw. Yeah. (laughs) Which I will overlook. Yeah, it feels really tacked on. It's like, you know... Oh, yeah. yeah. It's... It's... uh, It feels very obligatory. Our our writer-director team, whose names we have not mentioned yet... Nor should we. The... um, (laughs) The esteemed team, you know, that that famous comedy team of, uh, they're not even at the I'm top. I'm not going to look it up. <laughs> I'm not even going to look it up. They're not even at the top of the, uh, that Nankin and Wechter. They have the done team. a lot, both, they have done a lot of notable television work, uh, since actually, so, but, uh, so they're, they're learning. I'll give them that. Well, Nankin did The Gate which was one of those horror movies that I was too scared to rent. Yeah, me too, with Will Wheaton. Well, I don't know. That poster was pretty scary. Just the poster, that hole with the little... Yeah, with the red eyes and the claws coming out. hand coming out. Looked too scary. Too too afraid to rent that one. Stephen Dorff is in that. Hmm. Stephen, really? Yeah. It doesn't mention... Hmm. Uh, Will Wheaton. Oh, I thought Will Wheaton was in that. No, you might be thinking of Stephen Dorff. Uh, yeah, anyway, um, Nankin and Wechter uh, don't seem yeah. too invested in this um, emotional arc for Adam and uh, and young Michael Fox, which is going to occupy a little too much of the movie. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it really does. I mean... But it seems to be like the point of the movie. It's at, at uh, uh, its inclusion seems to point to the fact that it needs to be the point of the movie. Well, it's the kind of thing this movies like this need to have, right? right. The growth moment, the emotional center. What's the emotional center of your movie? Well, you got to have something like this. Oh, uh, there is something that this movie has, which is unprecedented in our series, Wade. Really? So we had gotten away from 
the big proposal scene where the race is introduced, the concept of the race is introduced to the racers, and they're all set mm-hmm. in this mission. You know, they discover the the concept for the first time. Uh, this this has that. Then they have their twenty four hour prep period. We often skip that lately, where it's just all a given. Right. Right. Mission this prep, does though skip um, show that. Nankin and Wechter have read a little Joseph Campbell because it has a refusal of the call. That's true. We've never seen that. Where someone is never seen him told to do the race and then like, well, I don't want to do the race. I'm not going to. Well, we kind of with Gumball Alley, but the, with the professor, but not the lead character, right? The professor kind of says, I can't do that. Oh, yeah, okay. I, you're trouble? right. Although, what is that? That's... Um, that's more like playing up the risks of doing this and the rebellious exactly. of it, right? Exactly. It was more. It was more to show, to to flesh out the world, so that the main character could show. No, we have to do this because this that. Blah, blah, blah. It's a compulsion. So yeah. It wasn't a refusal of the call, really. Not for the hero. Yeah. Right. It was more like a side character saying, "Well, I don't know. That looks like a dangerous journey." Right. Exactly, exactly. But, yeah. Yeah, we haven't seen yeah, that yet. Yeah. He's like, I don't want to do this. And for a while, we think we might be spared. But no. <laughs> the movie happens anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, now, I thought uh, McNaughton was good. And I like him in, um, it's American, it's a, it's the American it's werewolf a- <laughs> in London. <laughs> it's American werewolf in London. <laughs> David Naughton. I like him in that. Uh, I, he's not very good in this. No, he is not. He does not have much charisma at all. I'm surprised. I'm surprised because I was looking at it, going, "He got hired for that from probably this." How? You know, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, there's only. I mean, I mean, I, I will say he does play. The expectation of the movie's tone. I will say that. Like, he's not out of line with it. Well, I only have one more thing to mention, I think. I have one more thing as well. Um, when we get to that hotel, which last time I was in... Oh, the Bonaventure? The Bonaventure. I've been there. Uh, I have not. My friend, uh, Paul Rodriguez, not the comedian... Mm-hmm. He had a conference there, and so I met him there. That was cool. Got to walk around. It reminds me of the Rensend, the Renaissance Center in Detroit. I bet it has the same designer, same era. They both look. Uh, they both have those like weird Logan's Run kind of labyrinth <laughs> interiors. Uh, when we get there, someone get on that. <laughs> See if they're the same guy or gal. Or non Or firm. Or firm. Tom Cruise. When, um, so when the, the teams get to that hotel, which is their final destination, there is a head of security who's wearing like a sheriff's browns, which is weird. It looks like <laughs> that guy. Private, private security for this hotel, which you'd think he'd wear something a little slicker. Uh, so this guy, you know... A little bit of a caricature. He's got the mirrored shades. He chomps a cigar. He's kind of a dirty, hairy type. Or 
kind of an old Marshall. Smoking the Bandit almost. Yeah, that kind of thing. Um, But here's what's funny is that when he calls in his men, all of the other cops who are going to be a threat to our heroes, every single one of them has got male pattern baldness. Like they're all (laughs) middle-aged guys with receding hairlines. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, everyone. It's just a funny look. Like, not a one young guy, not one tough-looking guy. They just need to look like they're not fun. <laughs> and so it's not like they I, went I to, like, like, a security detail and said, well, just give me all the security guys in your company, and that's what's all what they look like. like no, somebody went through headshots yeah. and said... Bald, bald, bald. Yeah, you know, they cast for a type, which I find interesting. All right. Janice, we need to talk, have a talk. Like, what? What's your thing? Let me guess, ball guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what was your last thing? Um, so Mrs. Grimhouse uh, is uh, getting more and more upset that none of the neighbors are having trouble with uh, or having problems with uh, Leon's uh, tomfoolery. Not not even so much what he's doing, just him as a concept. Like he, she keeps coming in and they're all fine with it. Once they're all mad and then they come in and they actually take interest and they're all having a party. And this infuriates Mrs. Grimhouse to no end. So she calls the police. The police come in. She dies with her the nose. Policeman classic. Be- what's classic that? move to die with your nose. Oh, that's right. No, no, no. This is before, before she's arrested. Oh, okay. Sorry. She police oh, yeah. comes in. Back in the apartment. Yeah. The police come in, comes in, takes interest. What are you all doing? And they explain it, and then he's going over this old police radio that he's got. Oh, man, this is cool. And then she gets mad and smashes it and says, do your job. And they said, okay, arrest her. Well, she calls him an ape. What? Oh, she calls him an ape. Okay, because I was thinking to myself, I forgot about that part, because I was thinking to myself, what exactly were they arresting her for? Were they arresting for destruction of property? Or they were were they arresting her for eighties movies comeuppance? Because <laughs> that's at first that's what I thought it was, but that's right. She calls him an ape. Yeah, for a uh, because her her his men later seem to be like, why we got this old lady shading? <laughs> I don't know either. Shading into racist um, remark at the African American right. police officer. Right. So they tie her up and they take her to the Bonaventure because that's where the action is. Yeah, they tie her up in handcuffs. Oh, that's right. (laughs) They used a lot of handcuffs. Did you see that? It was like like 11 of them. Just to chain it around her. It looked like a a belt from Coach. Um, But they, uh, uh, so yeah, then then later she does the aforementioned uh, dialing with the nose to get the security detail up. Yeah, you can't do that anymore. You get kidnapped. Yeah. I mean, maybe if you have face ID. And then you got to do, hey, Siri, (laughs) I'm kidnapped. You're trying to X out of this ad with, you know, your nose. No way. It's always going to bring up the app store. No. You need a face ID where then you turn around and you show that you're tied up. (laughs) <laughs> and then it says, oh, you're tied up. I will call the police. Clippy comes on. It looks like you're tied up and held kidnapped. Would you like me to call the police? No, I really want to stay here. Okay. Clippy. 
Um, well, Leon sorry. likes being tied up, so. <laughs> Again, your fanfic is encroaching onto the, onto the story. <laughs> Let's just stick with he likes to give, he, he's really good at giving head, and we'll just leave okay. it at that. I think he's allowed to have more than one oh, sexual. Absolutely, upset. but the more you bring it in, the more I question what I saw and didn't see. So Okay, all right. So, yeah, um, I'm going to say something that might shock you. Or it may not, considering how, how down I've been on this. I think I actually, given even the lows that happened in that movie, I think I prefer Scavenger Hunt to this movie. Really? Yes. I did not like this movie at all. And while Scavenger Hunt was more loathsome, even though we did point out a lot of stuff about Obesity, uh, 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 girls that aren't, uh, 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 a lot of misogyny, a lot of you know, the melons, <laughs> all of that. I think I still preferred Scavenger Hunt. I would give Scavenger Hunt, uh, I think, a one and a half star. I gave this one a one. Even though I we, just, we I, talked about all the the jokes on Scavenger Hunt that just aren't constructed right and no they're don't not work. but there are no jokes in this movie you keep <laughs> there you, are just nothing. this is something you keep saying in these episodes even though you talk about the things that you laughed at uh, yeah it's a weird well you know I, <laughs> oh wait are you saying that you can laugh at something that's not a joke <laughs> and that a comedy with no jokes you can still laugh at This is all about it's is a mad, 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 mad world. So here's a no, joke. No, it's not. Here's a joke I wrote <laughs> that, recently. That last sentence was. Okay, here's a joke, I, here's a joke I wrote recently. Okay. What's that? <clears throat> Guy's going in for major surgery. He's got to get a tumor removed. His wife's in the waiting room for two hours. Doctor comes out and says, I've got some good news and bad news. She says, you better give me the bad news first. Doctor says, but then he bled to death. <laughs> that's a joke. Right, exactly. But that's not what comedies usually contain. Really? If we're going to be I, pedantic about you it. Know, you, you know what, uh, Siggy? You, you're just proving to me that n- no... People aren't monoliths. There are multitudes within a person. <laughs> Two things can be withheld. Comedies don't have those jokes. And then some movies that ha- are comedies surprisingly have no jokes. Two things. You can hold both of those values at once. I completely believe that. I have the same. I feel the same way about several things. Just listen to all my episodes. I'm sure I praise one thing in one movie and then another movie exactly the same I, I piss on it. So, you know. But So sometimes when we say jokes, we mean them like that, like jokes that are delivered like that. But sometimes we just mean more loosely things where there's a setup and a payoff. Right? Yes. And. Well, that's a joke. And so, so uh, I think Midnight Madness does have things that have setups and payoffs, and some of them are uh, made me laugh and some of them are terrible. <laughs> I, I I think I disagree, but I found some moments of surprise. 
funny. So, yes. Usually when the character was deliberately wasting the movie's time is when I found it funny. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, I'll I'll be happy when we start progressing. I mean, we've got some more doozies ahead of us. I, I, I... I hope Speed Zone is better than than these last two selections, no. but I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not so sure. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I was watching Speed Zone at the same around the same age. I was watching this, and I I did not like Speed Zone nearly as much back I, then. I just remember being really excited that Eugene Levy and John Candy were in another movie, and and uh, and then not getting anything out of it. Yeah. So yeah. Well, so, yeah, that's gonna that's that's on the horizon, folks. You got that to look forward to. But we got something a little more exciting coming up next, and that would be a little movie called The Cannonball Run. We got there. We finally got there. Wow! I thought we still had like you know, Fartman takes a piss in a bucket of shit still to watch. <laughs> Thought we still had that movie to get through, but I'm so glad. Yeah, we're having a great time. This is a great episode. <laughs> we're very good at podcasting. We are very, very good yeah. at podcasting. We we both know why we're doing this at this point. <laughs> I'm just trying to make you laugh, buddy. That's all I'm doing, and I'm not doing a very good job of it. All right, let's get the fuck out of this episode. Uh Tell us what you hated about this episode and us <laughs> as individuals so and as a team <laughs> by writing. Why do I feel like the stock market? All I did was what you do to me. <laughs> what? This isn't about you. <laughs> no, you're right. Well, it should be. <laughs> I'm inviting criticism of myself and you hear that as criticism of you. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the way, we, well, that's the way men work, right? Uh, all right. Uh, you watch it wrong at happypanic.net. Um, tune in next time. Hit subscribe. <sighs> all right. Uh, bye, everybody. <laughs> We're done. That's it. Um, We're done. We're just getting out. And if you, um, uh, I don't have a, uh, um,